So what that experience really brought to me was the ability to be authentic as a leader and to really show up with my emotions and my feelings on a very difficult topic. And so I felt that if I could not lead that way, then I wasn't effective as a leader. I'm Carly Zakin. I'm Danielle Weisberg. Welcome to Skim from the Couch. This podcast is where we go deep on career advice from women who have lived it, from the good stuff like hiring and growing a team to the rough stuff like negotiating your salary and giving or getting hard feedback. We started the skim from a couch, so what better place to talk it all out than where it began on a couch? We are very, very excited to have Ramona Hood join us on Skimmed from the Couch. She is the CEO and president of FedEx Custom Critical, and she brings over 28 years of experience at FedEx to her role. That's because, as we'll get into, Ramona started her career at the company as a receptionist back in 1991. Ramona, we are so excited to have you with us today. Welcome to Skimmed from the Couch. Thank you, Danielle. I'm really excited to be here today, even if it is uh, virtual. I know. It's it's so interesting. We've done, you know, now we've been at home since March, like many of the people listening, and it's been incredible how many people we've met in a pandemic without actually meeting them. We were joking the other day, we have a new chief product officer. And we're like, we don't even know how tall you are. We've never met in person. <laughs> that That's funny. We have some similar experiences. I have two people that were added to my executive team after COVID. So we made hiring decisions virtually, and we have been onboarding people virtually as well. But we're, we're adapting to the new way of working. Yeah, I think everyone is is having to. So let's start off with a a basic question we ask everyone. Skim your resume for us. Gosh, if I would start my resume with 28 years at FedEx, I like to tell people I grew up there. I also like to say I started when I was five. And I've had a great career at FedEx starting as the receptionist. At the time, it was uh, Roberts Express. And I moved from the receptionist role into our safety and contractor relations department. I had an opportunity of really spending about five to seven years in that area. And it was the place that I met my first mentor. The uh, director of the department had asked what my career goals were and my aspirations. And it was the first time that I really put thought into what my interests were. And it started with uh, leadership. So I'll talk a little bit more about mentorship later, but I spent five to seven years there. Then moved to the operation area so that I can gain P&L experience and have accountability for that. Then I moved into sales and marketing and also had an opportunity to lead a wholly owned subsidiary. Uh, From there, I moved into a different FedEx operating company. We had acquired a company and there was a need for an officer to lead one of the business units. And so I took that opportunity, which uh, gave me experience on working on post-acquisition integration work with identifying uh, synergies for the business as well as for the team members. And then from there, 
I moved back to FedEx Custom Critical as an officer of operations, strategy, and planning, and also uh, managed uh, our, our pricing strategy as well as our data and science group. And from there, I had an opportunity in the end part of 2019. Our CEO and president was retiring, and so I had an opportunity to be appointed to the CEO and president role in January and uh, started uh, leading very methodically through the first 90 days and then COVID-19 hit. And so uh, that was the first crisis that I began to lead through in my first 90 days. And then shortly after that, the death of uh, George Floyd really brought a platform to talk through the racial injustice that we were seeing in the country. And again, uh, leading the uh, organization through that difficult time. So eight months into my new role, and I feel I've learned a lot and really, I'm thankful for the team I have that has supported me throughout the time frame. And I'm sure that's exactly what you thought the first eight months and specifically the first 90 days were going to hold. What is something that people would be surprised to know about you or something that we can't Google or find on your LinkedIn? So I, I think if you know me, it's pretty clear what I would, how I would answer this question. But for people who don't know me, and if you would Google me, you won't be able to find it. I am a big foodie. I love to eat. I come from a family where we use food as a way to socialize, entertain. It is to manage our feelings, whether they're happy, sad, or whatever the case may be. So I enjoy food. I enjoy eating as well as a little cooking. But for the most part, it's the eating uh, and sampling new things that I enjoy. I also enjoy eating. When people are like, oh, I'm not that into food, I'm like, I don't know how to connect with you. This is this is weird. As you mentioned, you started at FedEx as a receptionist when you were 19 years old. Do you remember interviewing for that job? I do, and there's a funny story about it. So I am a, a 19 new mother, and I was really just looking for something that was gonna be stable hours. I was coming out of a retail. I wanted to work Monday through Friday, the same hours. The company at the time was Roberts Express. As I asked, and you have to remember 91, there wasn't Google. So I'm asking people, because I wasn't familiar with the company, what they did. And the closest I got to transportation was, I think they do something with mail. And so I had never been a receptionist, had no experience in it, but really my desire was uh, that stable shift. And so I applied for the job. And I remember following up because I had not heard anything. And I called and they said, we have over 100 resumes. And I'm like, well, surely they have resumes with people that have experience to do it. So I will probably not hear back. And a week later, I got a call for my first interview. And I would say by the time I was driving home, I had a call for my second interview and then they offered me the job. So I started that job as my daughter. I think she was probably seven to eight weeks at the time. Wow. Yes. Very, very little information did I have on the company. And I certainly would not confess that I was experienced to be a a receptionist, but they gave me an opportunity and I I took it. When you were in that position, you know, you're 19 years old, you have a newborn and you (laughs) took a job and didn't know that much about it. Did you ever have aspirations to be the CEO 
Like, was that type of path on your mind? Yeah, not originally. So at 19, it was, this is a job. That manifest, I would say, over the next five to 10 years through the support of mentors and coaches at that point, where I really started to think about being intentional with my career, having a love to help others and see people really show up and give their full potential is what excited me. And so my goal and aspirations were really around leadership. I didn't define it through a particular title early on, but it was just in a role of leadership, I felt that I could really give to the employees as well as to the organization. And I would say about 10 years into it, I really started to articulate my overall goals and ambition, which included being the CEO and president. And I'll share with you a funny story on that. I remember speaking at uh, our local chamber had a woman network and I was the keynote speaker for the lunch. And there were probably 200 women there. And I had asked our president and CEO, who has been a mentor, a coach, as well as a sponsor uh, for my career, I asked if she would introduce me. And I didn't know what she was going to say, but in the introduction, she said, and I'd like to introduce Ramona Hood, the person who wants my job. And so that was that was a public mark that, yes, I was very interested in being in the role of president and CEO. As part of your journey, you talked about when you were going through your resume that you worked in a lot of different departments and you raised your hand to do a lot of different jobs within the organization. How did you convince people to take a chance on you or to give you an opportunity in a role that wasn't necessarily something you had done before? Yeah, for me, it was really part of me being very intentional to um, my career plan. And so I really set out to diversify my experience and look for those opportunities. And I like to talk about getting comfortable with the uncomfortable because I think it could have been easy for me to move into the operation area, get into a leadership role, and never leave the operational area. I was good at it. I had strong skills and competencies that were demonstrated in the results. But I felt it was important to be comfortable with the uncomfortable of learning something new, uh, taking some risk, as well as having some failure to be able to grow. And so that really allowed me to think about areas of the organization that I would benefit by being in, as well as that organization gaining something from my past experience as well. And so with that, it allowed me to really talk to uh, different leaders about the experiences that I wanted and to have people advocate for it as well. You talk about having a personal board of directors. What does that mean? I, this is something I just think is so important. So for me, the uh, board of directors is uh, a host of individuals that play a variety of roles for me in my career and my life. One is a, a mentor, and this is really individuals that are in roles that I'm in, so they've been there before. They become a very good sounding board for me. And I try to leverage key mentors internally as well as externally so that I get a really good perspective of what's going on. Because I uh, believe in 
having a, a growth mindset and continuing to learn. I also think it's important to have coaches as part of my board of directors. And so this is typically uh, when I want to focus on a specific area, either continuing to enhance it or shore it up through additional experience. I'll leverage coaches for that capacity. And then the third, and I think this is really important, and statistically, uh, a lot of articles that I've read indicate that women don't have sponsors. And the sponsor is really the individuals that have authority, titles much higher than what you have. And they're the individuals that are in the boardroom, in the meetings, and they're making those decisions and advocating for people to get stretch assignments and to get exposure and visibility to people in the organization at a much higher level. And so I think really being intentional about having that board of directors um, has helped me throughout my career. And so I also try to remember that and give back in that same manner by supporting um, others as mentors, coaches, or sponsors. I think some of the questions that we get from our audience is that sounds great, but like, how do I actually ask someone to be a mentor or how do I get on the radar of someone who I want to be a sponsor? Now being a a CEO, how does someone get on your radar? And you're like, I know that they've probably heard me talk about this. I know that they want me to be a sponsor. What makes someone stand out? And then how have you seen people or how have you over the years successfully kept up and fostered those relationships. Yeah. And Danielle, I'm going to talk about the two separately. I think when it comes to mentorship, it's always important to have a level of chemistry with the mentee and mentor. And I think that's a two-way relationship. My approach to it is I have been bold in the way that I've gotten mentors. I have picked up the phone and cold called someone because of their their experience and just asked to have coffee and talk to them. And so I'm willing to do the same thing in that space. Informally, if I get an email or a phone call, it may take a couple months to get them on my calendar, but I don't turn anyone down to have a conversation regarding mentor relationships. When it comes to sponsorship, that's an area where it's beyond a commitment of of time. You are in that situation when you start to advocate for someone, you're co-signing for it. It's it's like me co-signing for my daughter to get a car. They need to have some of the capability of paying back in that space as well. And so when it comes to a, a sponsor, I've never asked an individual to be a sponsor, but what I have done is had dialogue about what does that look like when you're in a meeting and Ramona's name comes up? How do you share the relationship that we have and the capabilities I have? Because I want to make sure that anyone that's in a role above me really has a good sense of not only what my skills and experience is, but also what my interest is. And to be comfortable to share that in a room that I'm not in there. So what I've done on the sponsor side is really build relationships. And through those relationships and sharing results, if directly they're not seeing the contributions I'm making, that's how I build sponsors. And then I validate that's the case through understanding how they might describe the work that I do and the capabilities and potential I have, as well as the actions that I see coming from them. I want to switch gears and talk about the moment that we're in. So you get the top job. 
and then COVID hits. How did you start to make a plan and start to lead in that moment? And your industry has been vital to companies and individuals in this time. How did you start to think about what leadership meant in that moment? Yeah, so if we if we go back to um, March, when we started to, in the U.S., uh, see COVID hit some of our states, again, I was in my 90 days, and so I was working through a very methodical plan of getting the voice of our team members, then I was going to focus on our customers as well as our independent contractors. And so early March, I had completed Ramona roundtables with employees, and I was building out really my travel schedule to touch uh, customers as well as independent contractors. And as we started to see the states move to this shutdown environment, we're an essential business. So our business was never at jeopardy to shut down. And so the question was, where were we going to work? And I remember the information was coming so quickly. So what I did is I pulled together a team of senior leaders, really a crisis team, and we really started to map out how we would do our work. And so we decided that we would take our business continuity to a place it had never been and basically work to test it with everyone working from home. And FedEx Custom Critical, we are a business-to-business, time-sensitive service provider. And so not only are we essential, but when we have emergencies, that's when our value is seen by our customers. And so we found ourselves in the midst of the PPE equipment um, and other essential things that needed to be delivered. And so you, you take that important work and then you take the fact that we have this health crisis going on and we're moving people to work from home and the fear that you have personally about health as well. And so from a, a leadership standpoint, it, I thought it was important that our leadership really get in front of our organization. So we increased our communication and we increased our channels to do that. I engaged in town halls with all team members at a a more frequent level because it was important to try to communicate to them often and continue to uh, also check on their well-being because it was more than just the fact that we were working from home. It was adjusting to how do you begin and end work and how is it maybe affecting you and your family and friends that this health crisis is going on. And so from a leadership standpoint, it was really important to me with my team to uh, get out in front of it. I believe in communicating often and you can never do it too much. I also believe in a level of transparency and transparency isn't telling things you can't tell, but transparency is uh, speaking to team members about what we do know and uh, about the methodology and the plans that we would use. So we were, the team was very well informed in the days to get them home and we've continued to inform them and also try to adjust our meetings and the way that we work uh, by working at home also. What's a Ramona Roundtable? You mentioned that in the beginning. Yeah, so it's it's always been important to me to make sure I truly have a good pulse of what's going on. 
And I've learned the further up you go in leadership, the more you hear what people think you want to hear uh, versus what's going on. And so I like to hear it directly from team members. So the Ramona Roundtables are small, intimate gatherings of 10 to 15 team members. And it's just an open forum where I ask them to share with me the things they're excited about, the things they're concerned, and anything else they want to talk about. And we share in that room and I ask that the information really stay there because as they have questions, I'm sure the larger organization may have some of those same questions. And I want to be intentional with how I communicate out to the broader organization as well. And so it allowed me in the first 90 days to really get a sense of what our team members were feeling. And so I had time to really touch about uh, 10 to 15 percent of our employees through the Ramona Roundtables. How did the the conversations that were being had across the country this summer after George Floyd's murder and the protests that we were seeing and the the conversation around social justice, how did that play out in your organization? What types of things were you seeing come up and discussed and how did you start to think about it as a leader? Yeah, I will say, Danielle, that that probably was the most challenging experience I've had thus far as a leader, more so than than COVID. I felt like with COVID, instinctively, I knew what to do with the death of George Floyd. Personally, I was taking in uh, what was going on, and I wasn't quite sure how to navigate it as the, the leader of the organization. I found myself actually a week after it happened on a Sunday, a small group of us had a call to talk about what was going on. And the intent of the call was really to focus on the rioting and the protests that was going on and how we might need to think about it from a safety and security standpoint for our independent contractors. And um, as I kicked off the call, all of a sudden I could feel the heaviness in my heart and my voice started to crack and my emotions were ready to come out at that moment. And so I really allowed our security leader to lead that call. And obviously some of the folks on the phone started to reach out and say, are you okay? I'm not quite sure how you feel, but just know we're here for you. And it put me into action. That's where I said, you know what? I have a responsibility as the president and CEO of the organization to get out in front of the situation. And so that night I crafted a letter that went to our organization on Monday that really spoke to the racial uh, injustice in our country and uh, what we as a company could do. And so I felt that it was three different categories that we would want to spend time in. The first was around healing. I realized that if I had so many mixed emotions from sadness to anger uh, to being hopeful in the future, uh, that there were other team members that were feeling the same or maybe confused and unsure what was going on. And so I, I told the organization, you, you have permission, uh, and I encourage you to reach out to team members, see how they are doing, especially because we did not have that social element of being in the office during this time frame. And so we really talked about the openness of an environment to heal. And then the next thing that I thought was important was also being able to listen and learn. 
And so listen without judgment, uh, really take in the different perspectives of what was going on, as well as personal perspectives as well. And with that listen and learn, uh, we intentionally set up opportunities for team members to do that. That included town halls that I did to really talk about the situation and then talk about what our plan would be moving forward. And with that plan, we provided team members with information to get more familiar with what was going on. We did that through podcasts, articles, books. And then our local YWCA was doing a 21-day challenge. And we told team members we could volunteer to do that. And I I was proud of our organization because we had a lot of team members very interested in continuing the conversation uh, about racial injustice. And so we did the 21-day challenge as an organization. And then I had plans for this fiscal year to enhance some of our diversity and inclusion strategies uh, and really focus on our affinity teams. And so we moved that forward at a much faster pace uh, based on what was going on. And so we completely revamped our Black Professional Network team. And then we have a couple other affinity programs that we're going to enhance later this fiscal year as well. And so what that experience really brought to me was the ability to be authentic as a leader and to really show up with my emotions and my feelings on a very difficult topic. Uh, it's, it's a difficult one to talk about. It's a difficult one to share. And so I felt that if I could not lead that way, then I wasn't effective as a leader. And so it really allowed me to lead in a way of transparency and uh, authenticity as we move forward. And as just by nature, I am an action-oriented person. Uh, so definitely I wanted to do more than just talk about it, but really put some action into place. And so our leader in HR really helped refine our strategy and her team really stood up uh, some of the things that allowed us very quickly uh, to share with the organization. It's interesting how you talk about needing to and, and figuring out how to be able to lead authentically in those moments, because I think whether it's COVID, whether it is talking, having tough conversations and trying to figure out the right thing to do around social justice, these are things that you know, if you are a person are hard, they are not easy to talk about. It's, you know, involves so many feelings. And we've certainly had those moments of getting on the call and just feeling the weight of being a person speaking to other people, but having the heaviness of uh, running the organization. What are some things that have helped you personally as you have taken on a new role and dealt with to crises uh, almost immediately? How have you taken care of yourself? Yeah, I, I think that's a, a great question. And I was fortunate um, when I went into the position, I wanted to make sure I had a coach also. And before COVID, one of the things my coach said to me is, you need to focus on self-care. And I was like, no, I got to worry about the business. And I got this project and this initiative. And my coach, Dr. Talton, was very focused on the things that I did for self-care. And so some of the things uh, since January that I've really worked on in that area is, uh, one, gaining space for myself, the private space to be able to think 
to be able to pull out gratitude moments. Another thing is just identifying the things that I can do that give me energy. And some of them were really simple. You know, as things shut down, you didn't have a lot of opportunity to go out and socialize. But what I found is the opportunity of Netflix and a bubble bath and a glass of wine. Those little things meant a lot to me as well as just having conversations with my daughters and, you know, carving out time uh, of being present for those. And so uh, I feel fortunate that I had someone have me think about it in January and prepare me a little bit for uh, what was yet to come. We're going to move on to our last round, our lightning round. So quick questions, quick answers. What has replaced your morning commute? I'd love to give you what sounds like a right answer, like exercising. I am, I'm sleeping in. I think sleep is so important. So I'm, I'm gaining about 30 minutes to 45 extra minutes a, a morning. That is a great answer. I've gained probably the same amount and I, I think it makes a huge difference. Are you a morning person or a night owl? Uh, definitely not a night owl. I'm a morning person. I tend to go to bed at 9, 9.30. My girlfriends will joke, we'll start a group text message. And the next morning I'll look at it. And at 9.40, they're like, forget it. She's not even paying attention. She's already asleep. So def- <laughs> definitely a morning person. What's the last show you've streamed or binge watched? The last one that I have saw, actually, it was a Netflix original. Tell me what it's about, because I've probably seen it. It's four friends. In the South, they do Margarita Mondays together. Is that um, Sweet Magnolias? Yes, that's it. It's next for me. Did you like it? I loved it. Actually, it was delightful. I think it was the right series at the right time. What is the craziest thing that FedEx Custom Critical has ever delivered? So this is such an interesting question because we are business to business and we're time critical. I would say one of our more uh, unique shipments I could go to from a historical standpoint or animal, uh, probably King Tut. We were responsible for moving the exhibit. Oh, And um, that would be one. And we've done animals before. We've done it for the purposes of zoos. I think we also did like turtles. They needed to be moved to be hatched somewhere. So we've done some very uh, interesting things when Oprah was on. We also, for her favorites, we participated in that around the holidays. There's definitely always interesting and unique things, but our our core business is really supporting the government. Uh, We support the pharmaceutical industries, manufacturing industries, uh, really the things that uh, we need to do to keep the country going. And on that note, it's a good place to end. And we just want to thank you guys and your teams for all that you have done, whether it's PPE, to keep us and your employees safe. Ramona, thank you so much for coming on the show. It was so nice to have you. Oh, thank you, Danielle. It was definitely my pleasure. Thanks for hanging out with us. Join us next week for another episode of Skim from the Couch. And if you can't wait until then, subscribe to our daily email newsletter that gives you all the important news and information you need to start your day. Sign up at theskim.com. That's the S-K-I-M-M dot com. Two M's for a little something extra.